The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Michelle Best. I am a registered nurse, a certified woundostomy and continence nurse, and a clinical specialist with Coloplast. Today's podcast guest is Louise Forrest-Land. She is an enterostomal therapy nurse from Montreal, Canada. She's an expert in pediatric enterostomal therapy nursing and is actively involved in many enterostomal therapy nursing and wound care organizations. Louise is a past president of the World Council of Enterostomal Therapists, the WCET, and has taught and lectured in many countries. In 2019, Louise led a project with a group of international pediatric stomach care experts. Together, they developed the Pediatric Stomach Care Best Practice Guidelines. We are thrilled that Louise could join us today. Louise, thank you for being with us today. It's my pleasure, Michelle. Louise, I think it's safe to say that most nurses who do ostomy care are more familiar with adult ostomates than they are pediatrics. So today I'd like to investigate a few foundational questions that I think will help provide a jumping off point for further discussions. Adult ostomies typically are the result of cancer, inflammatory bowel disease, diverticulitis, or even sometimes a trauma. Can you help me understand the different pathologies that lead to ostomies in neonates versus kids or teenagers? Yes, of course. So the, the conditions leading to an ostomy in neonates and children are different than from adults. Neonates mostly have ostomies related to birth defect, such as imperforate anus, bladder, or cloacal extrophy, or because of other conditions, such as Hirschsprung disease, necrotizing enterocolitis, familial polyposis, or a trauma. Like adults, children and teenagers may also suffer from inflammatory bowel diseases, such as ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. So are the stomas that these babies and kids get different than the stomas or ostomies that adults have? Babies and children have the same types of ostomies than adults, such as and loop, or double-barrel stoma. The only difference is the size and sometimes the number, as uh, in the case of uh, multiple resections related to necrotizing enterocolitis. However, one type of ostomy that is mostly seen in babies and young children is the vesicostomy. It is a urinary diversion that is not really constructed as a usual stoma, but rather is a, an opening of the bladder to the abdominal skin. Children may also get continent diversions such as mitrofenov. Continent diversions are usually made in older children, like young teenagers, understanding the, the requirements related to this surgery and who can manage the catheterization by themselves. And it is the same for continent digestive diversions, such as the J-pouch following the removal of the large bowel. Understanding that many, you know, children, especially young children, neonates, they get ostomies, their surgeries emergently. 
What are your thoughts on stomacyte marking in pediatrics? Stomacyte marking is a challenge in the pediatric population. The body profile of neonates and babies is quite different than adults. Babies usually have a round and short abdomen, and sometimes the abdomen may be distended before the surgery. In neonates needing a surgery for anastomy, stomacyte marking is not made since the surgery is most of the time done in emergency, so there's no time to arrange for stomacyte marking. But most of these ostomy will be reversed within the next following months. In case of elective surgeries, stomacyte marking should be considered even for younger than school-age children. Depending on the age of the child, it is recommended that one parent is present at the time of the stomacyte marking and that both the parents and child are included in the decision-making of the site. Louise, most of us learn about stomacyte marking in adults when we attend ostomy school. I'm curious, when you're marking children, are the landmarks or placement considerations different for kids? The same site selection criteria as for adults apply. The challenge is that the smaller skin surface area is available. Also, when doing the stomacyte marking, consideration should be given to the child's sport activities, hobbies, and clothing habits, and the child, as for adults, should be assessed in various positions. Children with special needs, for example, those in wheelchair, require special consideration when selecting the stomacyte. Teenagers need to be well informed about the selections criteria for the stomacyte marking in order that they have realistic expectations. Teenagers always ask for a site as low as possible, and that, most of the time, is not in accordance with the stomacyting criteria and may lead to patching problems. For all, when a stoma is marked, the child and family should be advised that the site may be altered at the time of surgery according to intraoperative findings. Louise, the shape and size of the lower abdomen is very different in babies than it is in older kids and adults. If the child is very young when the marking occurs, does the position of the stoma change as they grow? And are there any different considerations for when marking these tiny babies? I think that when a child uh, stoma is marked at a young age, yes, of course, you know, the, the child will grow up and uh, body morphology will also follow the growth process. Most of the time, they will keep the same location of the stoma. But, you know, when they get older, sometimes they get weight or they lose weight or according to the child condition, you know, it, we may have to revise the ostomy placement. This may happen, but I have patients who have kept the same location for years. I'm sure it's really challenging for families in this situation when they're told that they're you know, their new baby or their young child needs to have this type of surgery. What have you found is the best way to support them and build relationships when these diagnoses will result in a stoma? And the most important step is building a therapeutic relationship with the child and his family based on trust. But before, it is important that nurses are aware of the special context of ostomies in pediatrics. The parents and child need to be secure, and it is important that you are credible when meeting and informing them. 
having basic knowledge about the reasons leading to an ostomy in children, as well as about the specific ostomy care they need, is mandatory. And if parents see that you have experience and that you know how to deal with the situation, they will feel secure and trust you. The Global Pediatric Stoma Care Guidelines enhance and support the practice of stoma nurses working with the pediatric population and enable them to establish a valuable therapeutic relationship with children and families. Before meeting the family, you must be aware of the child's condition and overall treatment plan. This implies that you have been in touch with the surgeon and be able to reinforce the explanation he has already given, making sure that the same message is sent. The information given to the family must be accurate, comprehensive, individualized, and it should respect the beliefs and values. This also contributes to reinforce the trust in the relationship. When meeting with them for the first time, introduce yourself, explain your role, and tell them that you will accompany them as long as the child has the ostomy, and even later if needed. Once you have explained your role, you can confirm with the parents what they have been told by the surgeon and ask them if they need any clarifications. Parents are usually more comfortable asking questions to a nurse rather than to a surgeon. Keep in mind that they were probably in a state of shock when they met the surgeon. In the case of a neonate, parents were expecting a perfect newborn, but now they are going through a major storm in their life. In addition to clarify the situation and answer any questions they may have, it is also important to give them space to express their emotions. One can think that all this is demanding much time, but from my experience, this will reveal to be a very good investment afterwards. Once they are reassured and less emotional, you can start by explaining what an anastomy is, what it looks like, how it works, and finally, how the effluents are collected in a pouch. This contributes to help them demystify the situation and adjust to their new reality. Including the child according to his age is also recommended. The age and developmental stage of the child should be taken into consideration when building the therapeutic relationship as strategies may differ. After the surgery, parents and children are confronted with both the adjustment to the stoma and the implementation of stoma care. Before any care or education session, it is always beneficial to ask the parents and child if they have any questions or needs for clarification since the last time you met with them. Before any educational session, in the case of a newborn, it is recommended that first the parents create a bond with their new baby by doing daily activities like rocking or bathing him. When they feel comfortable with the baby, then can start the teaching. If possible, and if the family agrees, you can also suggest a meeting with parents, children, or teenagers having gone through the same situation. Louise, thank you so much for providing a wonderful intro into pediatric ostomies. There are so many differences between peds and adults, and we're grateful to you for sharing your expertise and setting a foundation for our listeners. I can't thank you enough for being with us today. And I want to thank you, Michelle, for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us/professional.